God is good. Oh, some of you caught on to that. I was going to do something different, but let's do that one. God is good. And all the time. Excellent. Let's do one of mine now. God is good. You say God is great. God is good. God is great. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? I love, um, I love interaction. And uh, last week when we had our responsive reading, I really liked that. I, I think that we need to do more of that. Well, it's good to be here. Happy Mother's Day. Those of you who are mothers, those of you that have lost a mother, those of you that uh, aspire to be a mother and you haven't been there yet, uh, the one thing you all have in common as ladies is that God created you and that his love is upon you and uh, you have those nurturing qualities built within you to be a mother and so uh, you can celebrate on this Mother's Day just like the mothers can. And uh, if there's sadness in your heart today because of the loss of something in your family as a mother or a loss of a mother, etc., our hearts agree with you today and we hope that this day would not be a day of pain and sorrow for you but would rather be a day of joy and celebration. Now, that video did such a great job. If I could get somebody to kill these lights for me, um, they're just burning my eyeballs this morning. Um, the video did such a great job of uh, celebrating Mother's Day and giving a message of Mother's Day. I'm not going to give a message on Mother's Day. I'm going to deviate, and I want to continue on in this series. Uh, Keith, if you could just throw that up there. Um, I've got a mini-series that I started last week after our pastor resigned. And uh, the question that came into my mind is, what now? Or now what? What now? And so I've got a small series that I'm working through. This is part two of a three-part series. So next week uh, will be the last of it. And then, then the exciting uh, service on uh, May uh, 27th, which is our baptism service. And I can't tell you enough how I've been longing to see a baptism service come again into new life. So that's an exciting time. You don't want to miss that. That morning, I'm going to be preaching on baptism. Um, I would say this to you. If, if there's a little bit of a stir in your heart about baptism, um, come to that service with an extra pair of pants or whatever, just in case God does lay it upon your heart to be baptized in that moment of time. And of course, uh, we'll have to ask you some questions to ensure that you understand baptism, but my message will help you with that as well. When I was baptized... My pastor said to me, he said, I'm going to bring an extra robe because just something in my heart tells me there might be somebody there who God moves to be baptized. And so sure enough, the seven candidates were all ready to go. We got baptized in the swimming pool at a Bible camp. And uh, sure enough, the pastor um, had someone come up to him, a, a young gal, and say, Pastor, I really feel like God wants me to be baptized today. And so she threw on the robe and she was baptized that day. And that's how sometimes the Spirit of God works. Uh, the Ethiopian was traveling, and uh, uh, those words, look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? So it's a very important time. I want to encourage you to think about it and get a hold of Pastor John if you're interested and have an inkling that God is nudging your heart to do that. Well, last week we talked about having vision. And in particular, we talked about having a vision of who God is. And how that will frame everything that we do in life. And that will frame everything we do as a church. And that will frame how our leadership leads us. That will frame how you serve in the church. That will frame how we serve our community. How we serve our world. Is if we have a vision of a holy God. And if we walk after and seek after this holy God. It will translate into the feet of doing service in the church. But we also saw that we needed to have a vision 
for what God could do in our midst. And I challenge you to think about the BHAG. Can you remember what that was? A big, holy, audacious goal. Something so far beyond you that it's impossible for you to accomplish it and it has to be a God thing. That's the big, holy, audacious God. And we talked about how, you know, moving forward as a church, uh, we have to have a vision. We need people who have vision. But we also talked about your families. We talked about you as an individual. Having a vision for what God could do in your midst, in our midst here. So I want to continue on with that today. And I mentioned two people last week. I mentioned Caleb and Joshua, two men who had vision. And I want to just read you again, just to put in our memory what we talked about. Numbers, uh, we're in Numbers 25, I think it is. I could be wrong on that. My, my text doesn't say it here, but verse 25 of that text. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and with honey, and here's the kind of fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jezebites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. Mennonites didn't come around yet. The Canaanites live among, along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. And here's the verse here. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And he said, let us go at once to take the land, he said. We certainly will conquer it. So here we see this man, Caleb, a man of vision, and his co-part there, Joshua. The, the 12 spies had gone into this land from the wilderness to check it out, to spy it out, much like sometimes you do when you move into a community. You spy out the churches. You check them out. You want to find out what's going on. And they did this, and the ten came back and said, it's, it's too scary. We can't do it. It's impossible. And the two of the twelve said, no, we can do it. Now keep in mind, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They got caught up in the mundane of their existence. The majority said, no way, we can't do it. There are too many obstacles. Two people said, we can do it. Even though there are giants, even though the Amalekites live there, we can do it. So now I want to take you then, I'm going to just talk here for a minute, so excuse me. <coughs> you to Joshua 1, 1 to 18. Any of you have a dry cough these days? It's really annoying. Joshua 1, 1 to 18 is our text for today as we continue this story. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river of the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. <coughs> no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
just as I have been with Moses. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Now listen to this. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to is written in it. For then you will have your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now one thing is for sure, as the group of people that is leaving the wilderness, they are going to have some change come into their life again. The nation of Israel has had so much change. They came out of Egypt into the wilderness for 40 years, and now they were about to leave the, the wilderness, the desert, and enter into the promised land that God had given them. Great change was about to come upon them. I remember my days in college down in Regina, and one day I went to class, and it was in a lecture hall, and some of the students were a little bit of pranksters, I guess, and what they did was, it was an amphitheater, so, so we, we sat looking down at the professor. They came in early and turned all the chairs around and put the professor's desk up at the top. So now we were like this, looking up at the professor. He loved it. He loved, <laughs> he loved us looking up. But you know, I didn't get a single thing out of that class. I went home extremely frustrated and mad at the uh, three or four young fellows that had messed things up. And uh, as I look back on that, I reflect now, I was sitting with three of my classmates who were retired police officers, and I was thinking, we should have done something uh, to those rascals. We should have done something as a prank to them, but we didn't. Um, another time, they hooked up a speaker system underneath the platform where the professor was, and as he was lecturing, they had animal noises coming out of the floor. <laughs> Again, change. And I got nothing out of that class either. And when you know it, those are the two classes that talked about how to be a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, change is not easy. And uh, today I'm really going to talk to you about change. So here's the question for you. What kind of change is happening in your life right now? Yeah, the, the context here is the change of our church with a new pastor and our search for a new pastor. That's the big change for us. And that's going to require a lot of change for us in many ways. But what about for you and your individual family? Maybe there's a new baby. Maybe there's uh, 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 an adolescence phase. Maybe a job change, money change, emotional change, physical change, uh, philosophical change, whatever. What kind of change is happening in your life today? And when you think about change, how do you cope with change? Do you find change easy? Some people can't change very easily. Some people find change extremely hard. If we look at change from the Webster's Dictionary, it says just to make a difference, to shift from one thing to another, to undergo loss. It's a modification. It's to become different from one phase to another phase. And so we think about life and we think about change, change. It's all around us. You know, another time I was thinking about when change, major change came into my life was when my family moved here to Lloydminster 
and we were commissioned to start an Alliance Church here, and we did. We came here and eventually bought the old Alberta Liquor Board store and turned it into a church and had lots of fun with that as old-timers that remembered it as a liquor store would come in to buy a bottle of wine, and they'd say, where's the wine? <laughs> and so I would be able to say, well, you know what? I, I'll tell you about another kind of wine, you know, and, and away we went. But it was fun. But when we came here, we were facing some big change because we were uh, living in a community. Our church was about 225 people. As a pastor, I had three worship teams. We had a full slate of teachers. We had a dynamic children's program. I had store, uh, four staff members working with me. And uh, it was a church where people loved to stay and grow and be happy. And we came to Lloyd Minster and we had eight people. And uh, five of them were my family. <laughs> and it was a real shock. It was a real radical change where we did a restart of a church plant here. So we had no worship team, no teachers, no children's program, no staff. And we had people who really didn't stay because we were so small and we couldn't do anything. So it was a very changed, frustrated type of an experience. And we were thrust into it partially by choice, but also by God's call. And so my point is this, is that we have to learn how to cope with change because life is change. Do you believe that? Say amen. Every day, life has change. We have to learn how to deal with change. So how do we remain stable then in a changing world? How do we keep things together? How do we unpack happiness and success in a world of change? I'm going to answer that as we go to the text today. Well, we survive change if we have three things in our mind. Now, Pastor Heath and I used to joke a lot about this. I'm a three-point preacher. That's the way I was trained and grew up in the ministry. And uh, we used to always put pressure on him to have a three-point sermon. And he did, you know, he did really well. He learned how to do three points. But uh, three things that I want you to take home, they're really three C's. In order to face change head-on and cope through it, we need confidence, we need courage, and we need conviction. Three simple things right out of the text that you can grab onto and hold on to. So when facing change, we think, first of all, we need confidence. So in order to understand uh, how we get this out of the text. We need to go back in time in order so we can go forward. So we need to put ourselves in the people of this Israeli, Israel, Israeliteites. Put ourselves in the Israelites' feet. There's what I'm trying to say. Shoes. Um, they were taken from captivity. No major change point there, right? I want you to think about that for a second. Um, 600,000 men and women. Then add all the children to it then add all the livestock and everything else they were taking, we could say it's probably close to a million marching away from Egypt. That's no small task. And that's major, major, major change that had come into their life as their leader, Moses, was leading them out of this country. Then to stand before a great sea and ask yourself, oh my, we're all going to drown and see God part the waters and you walk through is some more change. And then to land in the wilderness where God is going to keep them for 40 years wandering around and they had the great privilege of eating manna and quail burgers every single day for 40 years. Can you imagine? And now they're at this place again where something big is going to happen. Verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, their great leader, Moses, left them. He died. He was the one that led them all out of that. He was the one that 
that gave them the vision. He was the vision caster. He was the one that led them, and now he's dead. And here they sit, 40 years in the wilderness. Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Lots of fear, lots of apprehension. And then two young bucks come along and say, hey, guess what? God's going to move us on again. I, I can just imagine the emotions that were going on in the lives of the people there. Well, change was a reality, and they're about to experience. In verse 3, God gave them promise. He said, I will give you every place where you set foot, as I promised to Moses. So they could have this confidence that God was going before them. Look at verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Boy, if those words don't give us confidence, I don't know what does. So when we think about what Jesus uh, does for us, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus actually said that as well. We have this confidence that God is with us. No matter what he calls us to, he will be there with us. What does that do to fear? Well, it should chase it away, shouldn't it? If God said he would be with us and we can trust him, and we can connect with him, then all we have to do is just simply walk. So what kind of changes are in your life today? There are some changes happening in your life that you have no control over, no influence. So stop trying to have influence in them. If you have no influence, you'll drive yourself crazy, although that's good for me because then I can see you in a professional way, <laughs> and I can still eat better. Stay out of that circle. And, and get into the circle where you have some influence and you have some control. The key comes, I think, in our hearts. Are we willing to change? So if God is nudging your heart and you're resisting, it's much easier just to say, okay, God, I hear you. I'm willing to do that. So here's a thought. <coughs> Remember that when change is done in God's time and God's way, we have a heartfelt assurance and a confidence of his strength to cope and go through it. Cough time. minutes, right? Listen to this verse. This is the part that, that burdens our heart today. Numbers 32, 11 to 13. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, now listen, not one of the men, 20 years old or more, who came out of Egypt will see the land I promised. What's that really saying? It's saying that those who could not believe that God was going to do it missed out on his blessing because God said, you can't come into the promised land yet. So some people were left behind in the wilderness and they wandered, I think, for another 40 years. Well, that generation passed away anyway, whatever that was. So how sad that they did not follow God's leading and they missed out on his blessing. I want to show you a little diagram here, Keith, if you could throw up that. Some of you know this because I've used it before. So we have nine dots, right? So here's the puzzle challenge for you today. This is called paradigm shift. I want you to take a pen. So you still got a piece of paper. Go ahead and try it. You're going to draw four consecutive lines through all nine dots without taking your pen off the paper. So four lines through all nine dots, and you can't take your pen off the paper. 
you'd be here for a little while trying to figure that out unless you're a logical genius and you can see the, the answer right now. There's only one way to do it. Don't show it yet, Steve. You start at the bottom, you go up, you go across, that's two, there's three, there's four. Show it now, Keith. Thank you. See? That's the only way to do it. One, two, three, four. Now, what did we do to solve this puzzle? What's that? S I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Say that again. You went outside of your dots. We went outside of the box. <laughs> Who said that? I want to meet you after. No, that's paradigm shift. Paradigm shift is getting out of your box and asking this question, if I could do it, how would I do it? That's the life-changing question. If I could do it, how would I do it? If we could do it, how would we do it? If God could do it, how would he do it? And that's the life-changing paradigm shift that we need in our church and in our families. You know, sometimes we get so comfortable, we get in our little box, and we're scared to come out of our little box because it's our comfort zone, and things have always been okay. Yeah, we've had bumps and that stuff on the road, but we've handled them, we know how to handle them, we can cope with them. And getting out of your box scares the living daylights out of you. You know what, I challenge you to do this. Some of you are just like me, where I sit in the same chair every Sunday morning. And if somebody takes it, I just grumble under my breath and go find another one. But I'm a creature of habit. But every once in a while, my wife and I say, let's sit over there and see what it's like. Wow, what a difference. It's a whole new world over there. Whole new group of people. A and so, you know, that's a paradigm shift. Get out of your chair and move somewhere else. You're not paying for your seat. What's the problem, you know? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, but that's what we're like as, as human creatures. So we need confidence to change. God's with us. Secondly, we need courage. Look at verse 5. It says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. What a promise to give someone as they're going into a new land with new people, new culture, changing all over again. And verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. And now the insinuation here is that there were going to be people that would try and prevent him from doing that. So God is saying, you're going to go into a land, new land, and there's going to be trouble, but I'm with you. And you can have confidence and courage to move forward and, and bring it to pass. What would they need courage for? Well, just think about this for a moment. All the losses that they had faced. He's going to give them courage to face the loss, the loss of their leader, the loss of leaving some family members behind, the, the, the loss of what? The loss of what? All the losses that were in their life. I mean, how could they trust Joshua, this young guy? He, he was a disciple of Moses, but, but how could they trust him, right? It's a new guy, new leadership. They, they had to have confidence and courage in his leadership. Could he do it? They had to have courage to face their fears because they were going to have fears. They're human beings, right? New land, a new people, a new culture, new way of doing things, new obstacles. All these things were coming their ways. And yet God said, be strong and courageous. <coughs> I will not fail you. Literally, I will not drop you when it gets tough. Courage is another word for our word inner strength, our word inner strength. The presence of mind against the odds. Uh, I teach on this. It's called resilience, being a res resilient person. 
determining to hang in there, to venture, to preserve, to keep on keeping on. And that's what Israel was going to do. They were going to keep on keeping on. And that's the challenge for us as we move forward as a church. We want to keep on keeping on, but we want to even go bigger. And I don't mean numbers necessarily. I mean spiritually. We want to go bigger. We want to see God do bigger and greater things. At least I think we do. Don't we? That, that's, yeah, th- at this point you should say amen. <laughs> yeah. True faith is far removed from mere courage. Did you hear that? True faith is far removed from mere courage. It's based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. There could be no higher authority and no higher reason than to obey and move on because the Holy Spirit is leading. See, it's not about us. It's about where God wants to go. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. If we could see where God was going to take us this year, it wouldn't be meeting of our faith. But we can't see it. We don't know. And that's why we need faith that God would lead us there. And then verse 16 uh, from the text that we're reading today, the people answered Joshua, and this is a cue for us as a congregation to answer the Lord. Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Amen? That's the passion that I have in my life, um, is to live a discipled life, and become like Jesus Christ in all aspects of my life. That's my life mission. I wrote that in my Bible the day I came to Christ. To live a discipled life. To be like Jesus in all aspects. That's my passion. And our church goal should be to be like Jesus. To follow him. To honor him. To listen to him. I like this quote by Evelyn Christensen. She's a poet. She said, I struggled alone with God for 14 months, asking him to change her. Yeah. Have you ever said that? God, my life would be so much better if you would just change him. If you would just change her. And here's what God spoke back to her. All the time, all during this time, he was clearly saying to me, I'm changing you, not anyone. Sometimes God has to do that inner work in us and change us. And that's why we come to our third and final point today. We need confidence, we need courage, but we need conviction to move forward. Verse 7 says, be strong and very courageous. Okay? Be careful to obey all the law. So put that in, a, in the paradigm of our world today, colloquial speaking in our, our culture here and in the New Testament day. Be careful to obey the scriptures. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. See, there's a principle here in the scriptures that if I surrender and follow God's word as the main basis or the main part of my theological, philosophical worldview, if if the word of God is at the base, and if I follow proper hermeneutical principles and interpretation, I cannot go wrong. I will have success because his word has promised that. It doesn't necessarily mean money. It doesn't necessarily mean that kind of success. It means in your life. And this, I think, is the key to successfully working out change. As we saturate ourselves in the word of God, as we meditate on it day and night, we will be changed from the inside 
house. Now, moms, one of the things that we love about women in general, but moms as well, is you want to look the best you can look when you go out into public. Guys, we don't really care. You know, <laughs> we just get dressed and go out in public. It doesn't really matter to us. But there's that sense of, I want to look good. I had a pastor friend. He told me this. It's hard to believe, but he was a very truthful and honest man. He said in all the years he was married, he never saw his wife before her makeup or her hair being done in the morning. Never. Uh, that's just who she was. And she's a very gracious, loving, spiritual woman. But she was just committed to being that way for her hubby. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> Why did I go there? I don't know. <laughs> no, I went there because change has to happen from inside. So you can be the best looking person in the world. In fact, just nudge the person beside you and say, man, you're good looking. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of you are a little uncomfortable with that. But what's more important is what happens from the inside out. And that's what I'm really trying to say today. You know, I had a friend of mine by the name of Garnet. He was in our uh, college and career group when I was 19. And he made a comment one time when the church was going s through some trouble and uh, there was a possibility of a split. And he said, you know, as committed as I am to this body, I'm going to be where God is moving. And if this church doesn't want to go where God is moving, I'm not going to stay. I always thought about that. You know, I thought, well, that's not very nice. Stay and help them get through it. But, but I could see what he was meaning. He had a passion to follow God and he wanted to be where the excitement was. That's what we want as a church. We want to be where God is at work because there's going to be great excitement there. Well, I better hurry up and finish here. Verse 16 and 17 says, Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your word, whatever you may command them, he will be put to death. That's a tough one to swallow. And I'm going to talk more about this concept of the justice of God as we move in to take the land next Sunday. This one's moving on. Now we're going to move in next Sunday and take the land. But here's the verse I want to close on. Be strong and courageous. So whatever you're facing today, whatever's going on in your world today, have the confidence that God knows and God is with you. Have the courage to take a step of faith into the unknown, if that's what God is calling you to do. And then in the end, you'll see that you have a conviction just to follow him and walk with him in whatever he calls you to. Here's what they found in the promised land as I close. They found rest. They found abundance. And they found victory. If we could follow God and have the confidence, the courage, and the conviction, we will find rest, abundance, God is good. No. <laughs> Put that paradigm box up there again. Get out of that paradigm. God is good. God is great. Amen. Father, bless this day and thank you for our, our mothers and uh, 
all of us have a, a mother somewhere at some time in our lives because we were born. And we thank you so much for the gift of motherhood. And we pray as we go today and we celebrate motherhood in many, many different ways that you would give mothers this same message to their heart today for their family, Lord, to have confidence, courage, and conviction that you are at work, Lord, and you will bring to pass the dreams and the vision that they have for their family. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, team, I forgot to call you. There is no team. So go forth and have fun. Amen. <laughs>